Hello and welcome back to Reeling of the Peers. My name is Gary O'Brien and this is a podcast where I get some of my very good friends on to chat about and discuss all kinds of movies. And joining me today, once again, it's Lily Nolan and she's here to talk about the 1986 fantasy musical Labyrinth. So stick around. We hope you enjoy. I didn't think of an intro. I'm, I, I'm very bad for trying to think of intros. I mean... I I was thrown by your excellent description of the movie Labyrinth. I love this fancy. What um, that it's from nineteen eighty six. Did I nail that? Yeah, you nailed that. You got the year correct. But also, oh. what do you call it? A fantasy musical. That's a, a fantasy great, musical. That's good. That's a great descriptor. Yeah that's, yeah, that's right off the old Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> that is bona fide Wikipedia knowledge right there. Yeah. It's usually what I do. Usually what I do for the podcast is I'm like, for the intro, I'm like, I look, go on to Wikipedia. But sometimes it's ridiculous. Like, um, what was it? It was like they, they described Rocky Horror as like a horror. And it's like, that's, it's it's in the, you just, like, uh, even like I that. know that. Like, even on, I and, wouldn't and this is, that up. I should have just called this a David Bowie puppet movie. That's what I should have been. <laughs> the, so the 1986 David Bowie puppet movie, Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> that's way more descriptive. You know, the very, very important genre, David Bowie puppet movie. Yeah, there's, there is only one, but I think there's space for more. You know, there's only one, but there's an argument to say that it's so iconic that no others have ever tried to compete in the genre. True, but if you've ever seen The Prestige, there's a lot of, you know, pulling strings in that, you know That's what I mean? The, the act of, you know, you, so pe- true. Pe- different people are being puppets for different other people, and, uh, you know what I mean, David Bowie's and that, so I'd get, yeah, The Prestige is a David Bowie puppet movie. Yes, I mean, do political puppets that really opens us up into a whole new world of movies mm-hmm. yeah david bowie puppet movie genre there you go was this is how you expected the labyrinth intro to go i bet not i mean um it kind of is because that's that's the labyrinth yeah. isn't it that's like how that works yeah it's just when when you think i'm gonna zig i zag and <laughs> uh, that, that's labyrinth ladies and gentlemen um but yes you this this movie you want to do for a while yeah now, and i think it's even i think you mentioned it even in the jurassic park podcast i think i did uh, i think you I... were like my next <laughs> then you were like my next one's gonna be labyrinth and i was like absolutely but first you must pick a pierce brosnan movie and then we're talking about cruella oh, and yeah. only then <laughs> we're going to do labyrinth oh yeah i forgot that that's when that happened was it was it jurassic park wow or was it like see sometimes i'm not sure what bits make the cut so not that i don't listen to the podcast but um yeah i love this film it's one of my like all-time faves um i wish i was trying to think when i was watching it like when the first time i saw it was because i can't remember i just know that i missed the beginning the first time i saw it so i, f- I feel like i joined in the labyrinth and and yeah. watching it the second time really filled in a lot of that back plot but yeah i think because it's one that like my parents would have liked as well so they would have been happy to watch with me would i feel like it's something that's yeah. on the tv a lot of christmas or halloween oh. um so yeah and it's funny you mentioned that because i was looking up um so this is the beginning of of like spooky season mm-hmm. like spooky season is most definitely is, uh, upon spooky, us scary season and it's spooky scary mm-hmm. you one would be so spooked and it's a case of i was so i i was looking up like uh there's like joe.e might have put up a, a thing being like oh best family halloween movies um and this was on it and i was like i wouldn't consider it a halloween movie per se but i can kind of see where they're coming from the best family halloween movie well there's a few there's some excellent... oh, not the best sorry no there was like there was like a no, list i mean of halloween seven, town tower of terror the mm-hmm. movie that you can't access halloween anymore. town 2 I'm pretty sure there was four more Halloween towns after that. But, like, I feel like Terror of Terror needs to get a little mention because it's one of the OG Disney ride-to-movie adaptions, and it's got very scary, 
Um, and you cannot access it on any streaming platform for some reason, and that upsets me greatly. Isn't that on Disney Plus? Nope. I check frequently. I feel okay. like they might bring it back when the new movie's coming out, but like I check frequently. Maybe, yeah. Oh my god, gonna check right now because I cannot be called out okay. like this in the podcast if I'm incorrect. I don't think I could live down being cancelled really... like that. It's got Kirsten Dunst in it. It's got a <gasps> someone pretending to be Shirley Temple. There's ghosts in a hotel. It's excellent. But sorry. Okay. Labyrinth. But this movie. This movie. <laughs> yes. Don't you worry, Gary, I know what we're doing next. This movie, Labyrinth, is like yeah, childhood fave. So it's about, um, for listeners who don't know, it's about like a young girl sort of coming of age kind of story about a girl. I'd say she's like 14 to 16. 16. She's 16. Okay, but that's not true because Jennifer Connelly was 14 when they made this. People have just decided she's the, 16. The story is 16. People have just decided that and really made that part of the zeitgeist. But um, so yeah, so I don't, they don't mention her age in the movie, so I don't think we can make an accurate assumption about her age. Absolutely. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure it's it's it's, it's cited on... Um... If it's on yeah, Wikipedia, it doesn't on, matter. On but anyway, um, listen, I watched a lot of YouTube videos about this debate today, Gary, so don't worry. So apparently on the Labyrinth 30th Anniversary Edition, the DVD slash Blu-ray cover it from Sony Picture, it's Sony mm-hmm. Pictures Home Entertainment mm-hmm. from 2016, mm-hmm. it describes the plot as a 16-year-old girl is given 13 hours to solve a dangerous and wonderful labyrinth and rescue her baby Personally, brother. I think it's better if a 14-year-old girl is doing it because that's 14, 13 hours. I like the consecutive numbers. But sorry, Jennifer Connelly mm, was 14 mm, when she made mm, this. Mm. So... Mm-hmm. And fifty when it came out. Yeah. I just I don't know if I agree. And Toby Maguire was fifty-seven <laughs> years old when he did Spider-Man. What point did you try to? Make anyway, it? it's about a young girl, um, and she feels probably sixteen. She lives in. She kind of lives in like a little fancy world. Um, kind of seems to be uh, a little bit of a loner, and she has to take care of her little baby brother when her parents go out. And she's she's a bit whiny to be honest. She's quite whiny at the start of this, and she asks the Goblin King to take her brother away. Which he does. David Bowie swoops in. Owl David Bowie swoops in, takes her baby brother away, and um, she regrets it immediately. And she has to go through this labyrinth. He sets her the challenge of getting through the labyrinth to his castle in thirteen hours to get her baby brother back. Uh, and then the movie kind of follows her. She does that, and she, all the friends she makes on the way. And um, what you got? and Joe, I also have a great synopsis of this movie. And if you'll allow me to read the. Cover of the 30th anniversary <laughs> edition of Labyrinth from DVD uh, Blu-ray cover. A 16-year-old girl is given 13 hours to save a dangerous and wonderful labyrinth and rescue her baby brother. I just... Um, yes. I won't, so, I won't agree with like this you're... aging up of uh, women in Hollywood that Sony are perpetrating. <laughs> right. Okay. So, what I'll, what I'll say about this movie, and I was so happy you picked it, because a bit like yourself, I'd seen it when I was very young, um, and I think I, I think it's the same what my parents would have liked it, because my dad's a big David Bowie yeah, fan. Uh, but it's th- this is the second podcast I've done, maybe it's the first one that comes out, but it's a movie that my sister absolutely loves, and uh, she's the reason I've probably watched it. So, again, thank you, sister. <laughs> I'm trying to not use names. She gets bleeped in the Rocky Horror one, so... <laughs> She does not um, want to be associated with you. I just don't... I, I want to give her the option. But, um... So, yeah, and I and I used to love it. But what came from this movie, um, from watching it at a young age, for me and my brother, was if we piss off my sister, sh- she could wish for a Goblin King to take us and go away. And I think that's why she liked it so much. And I was also imagine you being an older sibling as well. There's many times where you were younger watching this movie, you were like, I could just wish for someone <laughs> to take this little shit away and I'm, I'm free, I'm off the hook, I don't have to babysit, I don't have to deal with them crying all the time. I don't the think time. I'm that kind of older sister, but um, maybe... 
Oh, it's yeah. a big, yeah. I could just, again, I don't know if my sister would, you know, want to wish for Dave Bowie to take me. I just, it, that was a fear in that, like, let's piss off, let's not piss off, you know, sister, because let's not piss off she could Miss take sister number one. Um, because, you know, she might set upon, uh, she might set a 1970s slash 80s pop star, mm. rock star, uh, on us to take us away. Also, I think, um, in case I, maybe it's come up before, maybe it hasn't. I'm a big uh, Alice in Wonderland fan. I'm a big, ah, yeah, yes. uh, obviously something written in the 1800s. So obviously led, um, like definitely influenced this so, so heavily. But I, I know that's kind of on purpose. Um, wash. Yeah. You'll see like listeners or watchers of this movie when you watch it is up we meet when we meet uh, our heroine sarah played by 14 year old jennifer connelly um is that she's like in her room everything you see in her room is what you're going to see in the plot of the movie yes uh, everything from like a poster of david bowie to like the dress she wears later on to like um the books and stuff they kind of fill that room with all the influences for this and i think that's super cool because Alice in Wonderland is one of those things that also lends to this, like, it's like for kids, but it's not. If you're, you're not going to get the whole thing if you're a kid. You'll only get a lot of it if you're when you're older. Yeah, and I, and I think it's um, it's kind of an I- interesting one in that, like, um, I think is this the just because I'm trying to rack my head around it. I think this is the movie where is this the one where so uh, Jennifer Connelly's husband is Paul Bettany. Yes, this is the I'm one. I'm pretty sure he saw her in this yep. and this is where he got a crush on her. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah. But, um, yeah, all that, but like, it's, it's great. Yeah, It's like a quintessential the... coming of age movie. So I guess that also makes sense. Yeah, and it's, what's interesting, yeah, like you say, like in her room, there's the posters, there's different stuff. I actually have a list of, if you, I imagine you know, but in case, you know, you want to go into it. But it was like, um, you see all like her teddy bears represent some of the creatures that um, Sarah meets along the way. And I think as much as it's maybe known as the David Bowie movie, or even maybe, you know, the Jennifer Connelly movie, I think it's, um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to run away from the fact that this is a, one of Jim Henson's biggest kind of productions. Um, Jim Henson being the guy who, you know, made the Muppets and pioneered many puppeting techniques that are probably either, probably still used in Hollywood to this day. Even though it almost bankrupt him because it was such a, it performed so poorly. Yeah, so the budget was $25 mm-hmm. million dollars and I think it made 12.9. Yeah. And they always say in Hollywood to make your money back you need to double mm-hmm. the box office because when you think of it, it, Marketing, advertising yeah. and then half the mm-hmm. You know, money goes to the. You know, but over over like that, time, so. it's really become like a cult classic. There's a great article on um, the Atlantic, and it's they call it the the dark heart of childhood. It's very much it's like oh, wow. yeah, it's like a coming of age, but it's like quite realistic. It's quite um, it's just really good the way it does it. You know, it's like all the things in a room, and it's about her. She's you kind of see her at the start. She's a as we said whiny, and she's like. I don't want to take care of my baby brother. I just want to do this. But like, it's it's kind of about her not being ready to grow up and then how she kind of does grow up going through this labyrinth and navigating this world. And that's why you see all her like kind of childhood things, both helping her, but also getting in her way. Um, mm. And it's just like a great kind of metaphor for that. And there's, there's lots of other bits, obviously, that we'll talk about as we go through it that kind of relate to that. But um, yeah, it's kind of why I love it. Also, the music is excellent. Music is excellent. Um, I think uh, like the the, the the score is done by someone called Trevor Jones, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of the lyric songs, uh, word songs. I don't know the the songs. I guess rather than the score is done by uh, Mr. David Jones himself. Davy Jones. I think his name is Davy Jones, isn't it? 
Davy Jones. Uh, David Bowie's David Jones. David, David Jones. Locker. I th- I'm pretty. I, okay. Weird side tan. Weird t- side mm-hmm. tangent. I'm pretty sure David Bowie is called David Bowie because the, his name is Robert uh, David Robert Jones, and he couldn't use David Jones because the lead singer of the Monkees mm-hmm. was called. David Jones that's excellent so yeah so Trevor Jones did the score David Jones did the the songs the soundtrack Um, it's a great soundtrack Mm. Um, some songs are better than others one's the best and that's not you know up for debate is that Magic Dance it's the greatest song it is of all one of time. The best songs. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I love it, and I'm, I'm, I I was listening to it nonstop. I think for ever since like I watched this movie last week. And I also love. I mean, like when the world falls down, that's an excellent song as well. Is that the one? The masquerade the, one. Yeah, I have a lot to say about okay, that scene, okay. and I don't. I don't like it. Okay, we'll start. At the, why don't we like? Because there's a lot of like bits and bobs. So let's like. Okay. Well, I, I have two things. I'm ready. One, my first note. My first two notes, I think, sum up this very well. One, what's the late, late show L doing in this? <laughs> As, uh, first of all, first, I think it's the first CGI creature mm-hmm. uh, ever to be put in movies, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And the second note ties into what you were saying about Jennifer Connelly's character, Sarah, being a bit whiny at the start, she is. which is, shut up, Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> my God. Oh, my. She was just like, ever, she's complaining about everything. And I know she's not put in a great situation. You know, her father is... Um, you know, has is married someone else after something has ha- happened to her original mother that we don't know, but there's theories online to what ha- what did happen to her, um, and now she's got to look after her 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 stepbrother Toby, mm-hmm. uh, played by funnily enough, uh, what's his name, Toby Freud, <laughs> played by Toby you... Maguire at 35 years old. <laughs> I'm telling the man can do anything. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I I really do. I love this movie. I wanted to be her so much when I was younger as well. As you know, it's it's the right aesthetic. She's a good uh, icon. But yeah, as is that because she was just like at the beginning of the movie, she had no friends and loved reading books, and that's what you grow to be. Like <laughs> that's what I you, grew up to be up. like. That's not what I was like when I was yeah. younger. It's what I grew into as an adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's you were just true. like push more friends away, read more books. <laughs> yeah, because you know I have a very goal. limited social circle, and in fact, I never exactly. see people or socialize. I only read books. Mm-hmm. I'm drowning in books. Help me, someone, help me. And they're all copies of Pride and Prejudice. But yes, yeah. that's it. Exactly, Gary. And um, also, I just liked her outfits in this. Like, you know, oh, yeah. flower crown at the start. That suits my aesthetic. The like masquerade outfit that I'm going to focus on later. Also unreal. Her traveling, her traveling moccasins that are impractical for traversing <laughs> the labyrinth. Also, also great. Look, she's wearing really impractical shoes. And I think we need to focus on that a lot more. I didn't notice it, so I have to say none of my notes do touch on that. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I actually did. I, um, so we, we, we've talked about the director, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Henson, mm-hmm. uh, his last actual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to his son, Brian, apparently the one that was the most challenging to have to deal with the bad criticism. Uh, we've talked about who did the music. We've talked about who's in it. Uh, but one of the people we haven't spoken about is who wrote it, which I thought was quite interesting. I don't know if you know. I know you know, but like it's more... Do you know who? Who wrote it, Gary? Oh, oh, uh, Terry Jones wrote it. Um, Terry Jones being most from um, uh, being from Monty Python. I did know that. Uh, one of the guys from Monty I Python. So, what I'm do- well, the point I'm making here is that we've got Davy Jones on on soundtrack. We've got Trevor Jones on the score, and on the script we have uh, Terry Jones. It is it but- is keeping up with the Joneses. Exactly, and oh my God, have you seen the one with the champagne? Doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> So uh, one of the cool things I thought about it while I was reading up on it where 
Um, I think he's the main he's credited mainly mm-hmm. for the script but there's a lot of other people credited for the story I think because what happened was yeah. oh yeah so he wrote it yeah he wrote it and then it got passed around and then it got back to him and he was like oh and he had to undo a lot of it <laughs> basically I think that's the story yeah and uh, what happened was yeah they passed it around and then Jim Henson was like this is not funny anymore like <laughs> yeah. you took all the comedy out um, so they gave back to Terry Jones <laughs> they uh, added in some like fart will... jokes and they were like we're fine now what could go wrong? The, I, well, I, yeah, I've, well, there's a, there's definitely a scene later on that I'm very happy about that's very, um, you know, reminiscent of some of the Monty Python yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, like I think, uh, yeah, so that's mm-hmm. kind of everyone that's kind of a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just such a, a star-studded cast mm-hmm. behind and in front of the camera. Um, that it, it is a shame that it didn't do well initially, but like it's like you said, it's come on to be such a such a cult hit um, that I, I actually honestly do wish people knew more about. And I think, um, I think it's, I would like to note that as a child, this movie, I loved it, but it really stressed me out. Like it's, it really upset me how difficult she finds it to get through the labyrinth. How like, Oh, oh, that upset me as a child. <laughs> as a, and yeah, as it's really stressful. What are you doing? Stop, stop making the wrong decisions. But also like you moron. all the people and I'm like, oh my God. And then, oh God. And then the, if, if only she asked the worm the right question, she would have been okay. And oh God, this is like this. Yeah. Also, I think that's why that like sense of frustration and that lack of moving. I think that's why this movie lends itself so well to dreams. It's like a dream where you're running, but you can't like you're not getting anywhere. It's this girl getting okay. through the labyrinth. Also, it's spooky, spooky and very creepy. So that does lend to nightmares. Mm. But mm. um, sorry, we should probably get. Do you have any nightmares sh- of Dave Bowie? Oh, so many nightmares, and so many nightmares about the I- about the various creatures in this. Oh, see, I, this is the thing, and that's why I find it's a bit weird about this movie that like the the overarching overarching villain of this is a very well-groomed and polished David Bowie and then all of his other underlings are just these grotesque yeah. creatures. Well Gary, and... you know that's because the overarching villain of this is the like seduction of being selfish. That's like the idea and the like mm. you know of not growing up and he's trying to it is very much this like he's both trying to like seduce her to stay young but preying on things that like a more adult person would mm. want if that makes sense yeah um, I, all i know in my notes that i just have he's very different to the goblin king in the hobbit i think it's a <laughs> goblin king i don't remember um yeah as you... just I, 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 I like okay yeah, we've already mentioned mm-hmm. that jennifer connelly's a bit of a, a bit of a whine, whine at the beginning but obviously she becomes much more of a, mm-hmm. a, a, a likable character what did you think of david bowie in this role like because it is probably considered a bit of, like if you were to do that these days probably considered a bit of stunt casting oh, yeah. but like I guess and it was, you know it was stunt casting the other way around because they knew that he wanted to be in a movie um, but I guess I think it plays well into that idea of like the fantasy reality blur here because like like we were saying you know with all the stuff that's in her room he is like a famous pop star and I was reading an interesting piece that was like you could remake this movie with a different okay you know you're not going to get the same vibe with a different um, pop star or someone famous that you put in there but it represents the same thing as this like Mm-hmm. kind of allure of fantasy that she has so i think it really made sense that it was david bowie because he was at like the height of his fame yeah. when they made this fame good good job oh, thank you uh but <laughs> no problem but look let's dance no <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it was interesting uh when i read who was considered to play okay. the goblin king because they were like we want someone who can sing and dance and mm-hmm. um, and the list i have oh, the three people i have down here were michael jackson prince and Mick Jagger were considered, but apparently Jim Henson strongly wanted um known murderer in Disney Plus TV shows, Sting. Sting. Oh, that would have been so funny. 
Um, but apparently, um, Jim Henson's kids have been like, David Bowie is the guy. Mm. Trust me, he's what he's hot shit right now. He had just done the the Let's Dance album, um, which is his like and, most and, mainstream and, album. Exactly. Yeah. I like that I'm saying um, that. Like so, I know a lot so, about David Bowie. Instead, I actually just know a lot about the labyrinth. <laughs> Look. So that works. Um, can um, I have a sound we, for this podcast, Gary? I would like a sound every time I reference Alice in Wonderland, or every time this movie references Alice in Wonderland, and I point that out. Is that allowed? You're giving me a lot of work, but I but, but just no, that's fine. That's absolutely fine because you know what? I'm just gonna put in a noise that you don't like, and that's yeah, gonna I be know. Good. It's just gonna uh, be you going boo. Yeah, yeah. Pride and Prejudice is shite. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so no, I just thought, like so. Dave Bowie, uh, just to go back to it because I think he's such an integral part of it. Uh, even though he's probably not in it as much as maybe people think, he kind of shows up sporadically. Um, my favorite two contributions he has, one being the magic dance songs I think that's great uh, the other one is the first quote I have that I, I think he says and I haven't been able to perfect how he says it but I just forget the baby I don't know how he, <laughs> however he says then. it however he says it I don't know but I just love it he's just, I just have baby pronunciation is I just he, uh, he's stealing this you know girl's baby brother and he's just there like forget the baby Forget the baby. I can't it's do it. Very, it's, a, it's a voice Moira Rose would be proud of. Yeah, it just sounds like some southern drawl that I can't, but I'm trying to make it sound like... Sarah, sense. forget the baby. <laughs> forget the baby. <laughs> anyway. anyway and then the, and I, also, I'm, sorry. Just because it's at that point when David Bowie goes, forget the baby. Then he turns out and points to his absolute line drawing of a castle through a line drawing ah, of a yes. maze. I thought you were going to talk about his definitely David Bowie skill of playing with some magic glass balls. Oh, that's so... Have you seen um, the behind the scenes of the magic glass ball fondler putting his arms through the David yep. Bowie costume to magically fondle those magic glass balls? And so many jokes. Don't know where to start. But yes, I have seen that. I have seen the 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 um what you call it. I think I have the act. I have the guy's name because I did want to give him credit. Mm, he deserves credit. It's an integral part of this movie. Uh, so his name is Michael Moshen. I have his name. I don't know if I pronounced it right. But yeah, he is the he's a uh, a juggler like a very mm-hmm. accomplished juggler and yeah he had to put his arms through like David Bowie's to then like pretend that David Bowie was doing but you can so clearly tell it's not David Bowie's hands yeah. because your ma- the guy's hands are so uh, oh by the way uh, everyone uh, in case you haven't seen this movie I just want to let you know that there will be some spooky scary spoilers throughout so but like this guy like this guy is like playing with this like glass juggling ball and it's like oh the hands are moving but like David Bowie is literally stationary so you can just <laughs> you can tell that there's no like body flow in doing any of this whatsoever um, but that's I that's... can tell you that Michael Moshen has a famous TED talk <laughs> it's about like <laughs> Michael Moshen on what David Bowie smells like it just says describe some where he describes some of his thought processes. Processes. Oh, juggles rhythm and motion. Oh, that probably oh, is wow. interesting. Oh my god! Well, guys, I tell you what, I don't do this enough, but guys, there's a link in the description for Michael Moshen's TED Talk. You should check it out. Neither of us have seen it, and we don't know if it's very good. <laughs> um, you know what else I haven't seen? But I did, actually, I have. 
I think I have seen it in the past, but I, have, I didn't rewatch it for this. Is uh, yeah, Labyrinth. No, it's the making of the Labyrinth. It's really interesting. Okay, I've it's seen like clips of it. An hour and a half. It's an hour and a half documentary, but it's all on YouTube. If anyone's oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, See, if we'd done proper research, we would have watched that. Nah, look, I'm busy <laughs> enough as it is. All right. Um, thirteen hours. Thirteen hours is too long to solve this labyrinth, mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's a very fancy clock. You materializes out of thin air to tell her mm-hmm. how to get to the line drawing the line drawing of his castle yeah. it's just look gary they went to that effort of making um the cgi owl they used a lot of puppets they built some sets yeah. and then they were just like oh we need to show a castle far away let's draw a basic line sketch of it and i just think they went to the cinema and they forgot to take that out and yeah, replace with something else uh, no uh, okay as bad as that does look like i will agree with you i think the look and the practicality of this movie is so impressive. It's incredible. And it's like, I think it's really funny when people, you know, talk about Star Wars as a franchise. Like, oh, it's so CGI and there's not enough practicality in it. Th- like, there's, there's bits of Star Wars that genuinely looks real, but you know it's CGI. But for some reason, yeah. you know this is puppetry, but it feels more real than any CGI could mm. kind of accomplish. I mean, it's fitting that George Lucas was an executive producer. I, apparently, this, he yeah. refused to do interviews for it because he was like, I'll just overshadow everyone else because this was around the height of Star yeah. Wars and shit. But I just think it's it's crazy because this, this... And it's mad because it's like, this isn't a movie without the puppetry. It honestly isn't. Yeah. If this is CGI, oh, yeah. what is it? And I love the kind of like faux realism of the sets they Absolutely. built that kind of match more with the puppets as opposed to the real people. Um, and yeah, and that obviously just, lends it, into more that she's in a fantasy land, but also it just yeah. it makes the puppets feel more real. And I would just watch it. There's one scene that's hot garbage. It's just the hottest of garbage. It's off the fucking. It's about what's the hot garbage? Uh, we'll get to the hot garbage. But there's one okay. scene that is a hot, the hottest of garbage. It's like the heat of the sun in a in, in a frying pan. It's just the hottest of garbage. But anyway, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Some of this stuff is incredible, and I, I'll talk about it a bit later. But even the like something as small as you know the door knockers, like that's practical. Yeah. But that that just looks in, incredible. Yeah. Um, and as, as also I love that this movie like takes the piss out of itself a little bit. Like you know the cleaner, and then like the like they're being chased down by the practical effects of the machine, and then behind the machine, the machine is being puppeted by some of the puppets. Yeah. I was like, that's such a good bit. Um, and like even like I I I didn't know. I I knew there was obviously a lot of. Like Jim Henson, like I said, pioneered a lot of the puppetry mm-hmm. stuff used in Hollywood uh, back then. But I don't know how much of it's used today. But some of the some of the intricate like techniques and mechanisms used to cre- like create some of these animals uh, creatures, I suppose I should use. And you're just like, oh, I, like I thought it looked fine, but yeah, sure, four people had to like you know operate Hoggle at one time, and I'm just like, why not? Like it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. And then he was just like, let's put a real dog in here because I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, as much as I, like, as, yeah, like I said, I, just to go back to like, the line drawing is shit, but like, there's so much else in it that you're just completely amazed by. Mm-hmm. Also, it does kind of like, you know, it's fine in line with all the like fantasy vibes that yeah, we get going through. Absolutely. This, so. Um, so we we kind of mentioned Sarah. She gets she has to go through this labyrinth, and she meets like mm-hmm. many colorful characters as she goes along. And mm-hmm. one of these creatures that she does meet is uh, someone by the name of Hoggle. Yes, Hoggle. Um, and I like that everyone mispronounces his name. I wanted to keep a running tally, but I oh gave up fuck, I have it. One sec, you keep talking. I have it somewhere. Okay, so yeah, so she meets Hoggle, who's like, um, the kind of the first, I guess, kind of 
creature she meets and it's before right before she goes into the labyrinth and she asks him for help and he likes shiny things so he kind of agrees to help her a little bit uh we discover that he's kind of working for jareth david bowie's jareth oh, the goblin yeah. king we never said we never said his name um, but i feel like we'll just call yeah. him david bowie yeah um i'll we'll go with we'll alternate mm. i like to be inconsistent jo- i'm gonna call um, him anyway, david so we- J- robert jones if that's okay <laughs> that's fine that's the, that's the um, name so his he... mother gave him and i feel like that's what she'll <laughs> most appreciate so um i call him ziggy stardust mix it up different ones every time hoggle him so yeah so sorry so she meets hoggle um can't pronounce his name he like gets her into the maze and she's like give me more help and he's like no i'm terrified of scary david bowie and his magic glass balls so he she's kind of like okay i can do this by myself she meets creature number two tiny little british worm uh, yeah, and uh, what's what's kind of interesting about the worm is the worm kind of uh, she's told multiple times throughout this don't fucking trust anyone. Um, and yeah. I I do love that there was like she's she's entered the labyrinth and she's walking along and I think she's walking for maybe or she's, she's walking then she runs for maybe somewhere between forty to fifty seconds and then she's just like oh, I give up it's too hard <laughs> I'm like he gave you thirteen hours. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. you're going to have to be doing a fair bit of walking. Um, but yeah, this worm then is like, don't trust anyone. And then she, he eventually gives her another way to walk. And she's like, and he's like, mm. she goes to go left, I think. And then he's mm. like, no, I wouldn't go that yeah. way. And then she goes right. And mm. he's like, oh, I definitely wouldn't have gone that way. <laughs> no, no. So what's happening is so, yeah, it's like the whole labyrinth is an optical illusion, right? And like, I love that bit. I think it's a great practical effect when the worm is like, no, no, you have to go through there. And she's like, that's a wall. And he's like, what are you talking about? And it's just the way the whole thing lines up and she can actually step through and get to the next stage of the labyrinth. Really, you know, what an excellent foreshadowing for the way the whole movie is going to work. And then she's like, what way do I, she goes to go left or something. The worm's like, don't go that way, go the other way. So she goes the other way and he's like, phew, because that way would have taken her right to the Goblin's King's Castle, which is where she wanted to go. Yes. Heartbreaking. But I, Heartbreaking. I read something online that was like, if she had gone left, she would have because ne- because of how well the castle is protected and mm. she would she wouldn't have yeah. she, so apparent so the worm did help because when she goes right she gets to mm-hmm. meet all the people along the way that do eventually mm-hmm. help but her. it's it's also about um it's about and you'll see it with all the other characters like intentions and phrasing and it's not almost it's not even misdirects it's like confusion and and it's it's a whole theme of the movie yeah. you know that like misunderstandings i guess because she, it was a misunderstanding. She didn't. She wanted the baby to stop crying. She didn't actually want her baby brother to disappear. The second she said it, she was like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" So you kind of see that in every character in this. As yeah. You go through it. Um, and I'm trying to think of what. So obviously, she tells Hoggle to fuck off. And mm-hmm. I think is this where she is getting lost? It's a very sparkly labyrinth. Yeah, it's a very sparkly oh, labyrinth. Yeah, okay. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. It was very sparkly. No, it's like sparkly shiny. Um. Yeah, and I think, is it this point where we get the song? Mm, we get magic. Gary, if you could just fucking blare this, like, so fucking loud, you can't even fucking believe, please and thank you. So I believe it, crying borders, babe, could cry. What could I do? It's yeah. It's one of my. It's one of my like. I think it's on my top listen to songs every year, pretty much on Spotify. Ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> my only problem with it is, it's not about a baby. 
Yes. <laughs> and that, like, it's, that it's set up that he's talking point. about the baby, but the lyrics don't make sense for talking about a baby. Well, the lyrics make sense or for the talking... Or the plot whatsoever. Talk- a little bit. None of the lyrics make sense for the plot, Gary, come on. But, like, yeah. it, it kind of makes more sense about, like, Sarah going through the labyrinth, I guess. But it doesn't. It doesn't Does make it? sense. It doesn't. It's like he was just like, ah, baby, stop crying. Let me riff and bit on you here with this song and see if that helps. Yeah. That's so, a great song, though. Yeah, so it is a fantastic song. It's it's one of my favorite. I remember, like, just, again, like, when I was growing up watching it, like, that was my favorite one to watch. Um, I couldn't help but think when I was watching it now that I'm like, that poor child, um, Toby, who uh, I don't know if I mentioned. He's someone's kid, is the, is the Is the name of the actor um is the name of the actor who plays him is uh what you call it his real uh in, in the script it was supposed to be freddy but they realized the kid would not fucking respond whenever someone said freddy so they were like we're just gonna have to call the kid toby now uh, and all i could get thinking about was that toby you, you from know the that office. you know That's that kid all... works in puppeteering and sculpturing now yes i saw so this because i looked into it and to make sure that he w- wasn't like you know he didn't go insane because there's scenes where you know poor toby is like crying and he's surrounded by puppets and shit but, like that and you're like but you do you know so toby what's his full name ah freud and who's the guy who who makes all of jim Henson's stuff something jones no brian <laughs> <laughs> sorry brian freud <laughs> It's ah, his it's dad, okay. yeah. So it, it was someone I knew. It was someone on set. Uh, kid. Yeah. Um, but I, so, but apparently, also, what happened was um, uh, that they couldn't get him to cry. So he was. So they were just like, right, let's just wait until he's really fucking tired and wants to go for a nap, and we make him stand in the room with all the puppets because apparently he was so fine surrounded by the puppets. And I would have thought the opposite. I thought like you'd be scared for life. Now when you know who his dad <laughs> is, though, when you know who his dad is, it makes perfect That's sense. That's true. That is true. Uh, by the way, I mentioned it in another podcast. I've got to mention it now. Speaking of puppets, go check out Kidding on Now TV with Jim Carrey. It's a phenomenal show. Um, you'll know what I mean when that, you watch it. You're just waiting for that payday. I just, yeah, I can't wait. But um, so another good thing about the song is that um, there's obviously, you know it's about a baby because there's like baby noises throughout it. Mm-hmm. And what many people might not know, and I don't know if you know, but David Bowie does the baby voices. <laughs> Brilliant. That works. Um, and the scene, and the scene itself, like I said, he's surrounded by like these puppets, and it's forty-eight puppets to be precise, fifty-two puppeteers, and eight people in goblin costumes. Wow. Um, all you know, just for this scene. So I think that's also why it's probably, you know, considered one of the more upbeat songs and more memorable because the scene itself is quite memorable. And then while that's going on. Our heroine Sarah is trying to make it through the maze. She's like marking stuff. The little man from that Auntie Donna sketch that lives in your kitchen is turning everything around. Mm-hmm. Tiny little man. Tiny little man. Fun. Yes, is turning yeah. everything around, and she's like getting really annoyed at that. Um, Auntie Donna's big old has a fun on. Netflix. Check it out. <laughs> yes, and then uh, who does she meet next? I think I think we're about to meet the the Alice in Wonderland door people. The door people, yes. yes. And, and this and, riddle and, is taken right from Alice in Wonderland as well, even though they just, they don't give, it doesn't make any sense in this movie, but yes. But what I love about it is, so it's like one person's lying, one person's telling the mm-hmm. truth. How, how do you know which door to take? And what I enjoyed about it is that because it's all set up that, you know, Sarah is a big book reader and she loves fantasy and stuff like that. She's like, oh, I know this. This is easy because I've read it. And she doesn't say it, but it's kind of like yeah. she's thought about it before. Mm. Um, I'd hate to think it's trying to it depict it that she's thinking of it on the spot because you can absolutely get fucked if you know the answer <laughs> to that riddle immediately. But it's like, I like to think that she read Alice in Wonderland. She goes, yeah. oh, 
I just have to ask you if he'd say this is the right door. Mm -hmm. But also the, I think, oh my God, I'm going to have to check this afterwards and you're going to have to cut this out if I'm wrong because I just can't bear to be wrong that frequently is, um, I think in Alice in Wonderland, it's like one door is like, you have to ask us a question. The other one's like, I don't know, maybe. And he's lying. They're lying more. Whereas in this one, they're obviously both telling the truth at the start. If they're describing the scenario, which doesn't make any sense. Yes, so then... correct. Because I was thinking the exact same. Yeah. Because yeah, if, if one of them says the door, one of us always lie, mm-hmm. he could be lying. Yes. And one of but us then he's telling the truth. The truth. But then does that so mean it's... both of them always lie? Exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they were going for. And then she opens it and she falls into the creepiest motherfucking tunnel I have ever oh. seen in my entire life. What I've called it in my notes is molestation pit. Yeah, it's lots of hands. So mm. hands. How many hands? How many hands? I don't know. How many hands, Gary? Oh, uh, so it is apparently 100 pairs of latex cans were made for the helping hand scene. Mm-hmm. And then they talk in the world's creepiest way by making little faces. I love it. I love it's, it. I think it's, it's so great. Oh yeah, it's an excellent piece of physical like stunt work and kind of creepy vibes with just people's hands, but it's it's creepy. Oh yeah, like all these hands are yeah. feeling her up as this yeah. as this anywhere between 14 to 16, but definitely 16-year-old girl yeah. falling down this pit. Then she falls like Alice in Wonderland as well. Obviously, we can't yeah. land the rabbit hole. And then she makes the worst decision where they're like, hey, do you want to go up or down? And then she's like, well, I'm already going down. I'm like, yes, no, please keep traveling through this, you moron. So yeah, after going down like an idiot, she goes into the, and I do enjoy the uh, oubliette. The oubliette, I enjoy that. But you know, that's a real thing. Yes, but yeah. that's what I just enjoy it as like, it's it's just a fun word and it's yeah. a fun that it's a real thing. Uh, yeah, down into the oubliette you go. What is an oubliette, Lily, for the listeners that don't So know. it's like, would have been Definitely like... Definitely not me. <laughs> medieval, like... An oubliette is. An oubliette, well, oubliette is to forget in French. Oui. So an oubliette is like somewhere you would have put a prisoner to forget about them at the bottom of a mm-hmm. pit, basically, and they would have screamed and died pretty quickly. And in this oubliette, she meets... Hoggle yeah. again mm-hmm. and um, just I didn't mention about Hoggle we mentioned about how um, you know he was operated by four different people mm-hmm. uh, but it was kind of funny in that like Hoggle's mouth's always moving mm. um, and I read that the reason for that is so the actress I think it was an actress um, who uh, yes it is Sh- Shari Weiser uh, so that she could see <laughs> because the more the mouth moved the more she could see through it yeah that is correct. He's always he's always going like uh, uh for the you know for the exclusive video content access people, which mm-hmm. is Gary O'Brien mm-hmm. only. I did a great yes. um impression of Hoggle there. It was mediocre. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, but um, and again, I loved because what and I think maybe this is why this is a movie that stresses us both out. Yeah. We're both very, or uh, very you know what's the word? That's not organized. I'm trying to be a. Practical? organized very like logical yeah. logical people <laughs> we think this makes sense so let's do this mm. this movie just throws all of that out the window and that yeah. don't try and apply why do you logic think, to why do you think anything. it gave me nightmares for like my entire life <laughs> that's fair because like no matter what you do and there's a scene where they're in the oubliette and then Hoggle's like oh it's easy to get out and he just takes a plank off the wall puts it like puts it against another bit of the wall and opens it as if it's a door mm-hmm. and then there's obviously more spooky scary things there but then he goes oh no sorry it's the left handle sorry and it's just like mm-hmm. this makes no sense how is one supposed to yeah. you know get through this labyrinth by trying to apply any logic to it mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's that's kind of like the, the, this scene just just shows us that it's like don't fucking don't try and also, think you know what's going on because you don't yeah and I love in that scene when they're walking through the like um, the false alarm heads 
on the head. They're just like, we never and, get to do this anymore. Yeah, and I love, yeah, because they're all like, you're going the wrong, because it's this whole ominous, you're mm-hmm. going the wrong way, like, oh, stop sudden death. And then Hoggle, who's obviously, like you kind of mentioned, maybe has some allegiances to um David, jo- David Robert Jones. And it's kind of the case of like, he's like, oh, just shut up, would you? And he goes, oh, we're just doing our jobs. Yeah. And like, for me, I'm like, this is 100% a Terry Jones scene from Monty yeah, Python. Yeah. It's just so... I, I, I wouldn't be... I didn't look into it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, one of the Monty Python lads voicing, mm-hmm. like, the big... Like, the, the scary faces making these um, things. Absolutely. I have some lines from this scene written down because it's, like... Oh, I also... I have one from <sighs> David Robert Jones. Yeah, I have one from on. David Robert Jones. Also... Wait, what's your one from David Robert Jones in this scene? Nothing! 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 Tra-la-la! <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote ten the one where she's moaning away about how that's not fair, and he goes, "You say that so often. I wonder what your basis for comparison is." <laughs> also, I wrote down the line when like Hoggle's like, so they encountered uh, David Robert Jones, the Goblin King, in and they have like a little intrication, and he and she's like, "It's a piece of cake," because she's trying to show him that she's tough, and he's like, "All right then," and he reduces her time, and he sets a monster on them, and um, a, which is the cleaner, which is like all these knives coming at them and they, they manage to break into a side door but then it, you you see that it's just little Muppet dudes cycling the cleaner so that was a great scene they're puppeteering yeah. uh, the cleaner Hog- she's like Hoggle she steals all Hoggle's jewels even though he's like really scared of Jared so he's like oh, okay fine I guess I'll help you a little bit Um, and, and that's where he I wrote down the other line where they're like climbing up and she's like what are you doing like this is ridiculous you're being so mean and i can't believe you won't help me and he's just like you've got to understand my position i am a coward and jared scares me <laughs> he's just like that's it like that's fair um and i think it's kind of like so one of the things i also read was that apparently the novelization clarifies that everyone in the labyrinth is like a metaphorical island so jareth has prohibited any like every emotional relationship amongst them which is why there's no kind of friends so therefore every creature has to survive by themselves so for every transaction there's always a price and i think that's most personified with the next character we meet i think it's as they escape oh, um where it's the old legend man icon and, and so the wise man the wise man and the and hat. Hat. it's so stimulating yeah. being your hat as the hat says um, which is kind of like the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland, and she's like, yes. "Let me get some advice." And so. he gives some, and she has to like pay for the advice at the other side with a little like tip jar, which is quite funny. This is where I wrote yeah. the note: she is not wearing appropriate footwear. Loafers? Question right. mark? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 just a, it's a fun scene. I get it's another fantastic chance for Jim Henson to show off, or I, I, I say Jim Henson, I'm more meaning like his. I forget what it is. I think it's his company. I think it's the Jim Henson puppet. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah. But it's just them to show off that they they just... It's When you look at the wise man puppet, it's just great because not only are they operating the wise man, but also his hat moves as well. And it's just like, I, I don't know what they're doing there, but, you know, uh, top notch. And, you know, after that conversation with them, there's just that weird, um like, uh, sort of zoomed out shot of the maze and you just see these weird fuckers running around. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah so good there's so many random like little bits that they've thought about there which i think is great and um i'm sorry so then she meets that on but then hoggle runs away and she hears a monster screaming that's when we meet ludo her other friend um who it, 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 again is just like 
such a marvel of puppetry yeah. practicality yeah it's yeah. just like so i think i, I to be honest I, I wrote out the notes for it but i was able to sum it up with just one bullet point which was apparently he just weighed a fucking ton and was so awkward apparently jim henson was like go make this and then they made it and they were like that's too fucking heavy go make something lighter and i think <laughs> they had to like do shift work because the character oh, wow. was the the, the the costume was so fucking big well, but he sense. is just or he or she, I don't know if they Ludo. say, but like it, Ludo is just fucking, it's like Chewbacca, but on steroids in the sense of the practicality is mm-hmm. just so much more complex. Yeah. And then there, there's like the mad creatures like performing absolute animal slash person cruelty and torture snapping at him. So Sarah goes and like they've tied him up and she goes to help him and then he can summon rocks. So he summons some rocks for her to throw at the little oh, creatures. God. Yeah, I forgot about that. And yeah. they like run around and go flying. And, um, then, like, when she screams, like, Hoggle comes to help her and she gives him a kiss, which sends him to the Bog of Eternal Stench. Because something we forgot to mention earlier is that Jareth the Goblin King is like, Hoggle, if she, you're helping her because you fancy her. And if she ever kisses you, I'll make you a prince. Prince of the Bog of Eternal Stench. Ha 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 Zinger. Wild David Bowie classic singer right there. David and I think, I, Yeah, and I think... And, like, if uh, David Robert Jones, thank you so much. And I think it's a case of, like... Throughout this entire movie, there's the threat of the bog of a turtle stench, and you're kind of like, all right, yeah, like they mentioned it a couple of times, and you're kind of like, okay, that's a funny joke, and then it becomes like, oh, they're still to, oh, they're still talking, oh, that we go there, yeah, and we and we eventually do go to the bog of eternal stench. Mm-hmm. So Ludo, Hoggle, and Sarah end up experiencing the farting bog as yeah. I call it. And like they don't get it. If, the point is I think if you like fall into it you're going to stink forever but they yeah. don't fall in. They like catch themselves and Ludo calls some rocks and they have to get over a bridge which is protected by um, uh, the next kind of friend we make along the way. The VIP of this movie. <laughs> okay, okay. Sir is like the best thing ever. And like, as much <laughs> as everyone talks about like Jennifer Connelly's fantastic career and David Bowie selling a couple of albums, mm-hmm. not enough people are talking about how Sir Didymus is honestly one of the greatest cinematic creations The OG Basil Brush. I love this man. <laughs> okay. Or this whatever the, whatever the fuck the so much. He just gives zero shits, and I love it, and he's my favourite, and yeah, I, I, I don't have enough good things to say about him. I just love him, he's I mean, the best. Oh, and then he he's like guarding the bridge, and then they're like, he's like, I can't let anyone cross it, my permission. And they're like, can can you let us cross it? And he's like, oh yeah, okay, fair point. He summons his Dulux dog. Oh, but hold on, it's not just any dog, Lily. <laughs> okay, it's Merlin. no. What no? What? Well, it's Sarah, it's Sarah's dog Merlin from earlier on in the film, but he's not called Merlin by the time Sir Didymus. Ambrosius, come Ambrosius. on! Ambrosius, I love Ambrosius. It's Ambrosius. my favorite dog of all time. <laughs> Ambrosius, the cowardly dog. I love it. It's great. And and I, I, as I mentioned earlier, Terry Jones, um, like again, the rock, the the, the scary faces telling people to turn back is obviously very Monty Python esque, but I feel like this is fantastic uh, from Monty Python where it's like. It's 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 a scene where people um are there's someone protecting a bridge, but all you need to do is just <laughs> follow their rules and you get to go past. Yeah, it's like Monty Python the Holy Grail. It's like just answer the three riddles and you go past. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's like this. So like it's like you're not allowed to pass the bridge without permission. And then uh, Sarah's like, "Oh, do we have your permission?" He goes, "Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go across. Yeah, go, <laughs> yeah. go for it. Have a good but time. then Gary, Gary, then the bridge collapses." 
it does collapse. And, and then there's threats of, the, yeah. there is the threat that Sarah might fall into the bog mm-hmm. and overturn. Hoggles run across the bridge because he was like, ugh, I don't give a shit about this. And yeah. then, thankfully, Ludo can summon rocks. So they get across the bridge. I know the it's farty, farty movie, river. Most... It's like, and you know what's annoying? In my head, I'm just like, I know that's what a young Gary loved most about this movie, where it was like, there's a bridge, there's rocks that fart. <laughs> but yeah. like, look, I'm watching it now, I'm just like, whose idea was this? This is <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. And they were like, oh, Jesus, um, appeal to little boys too, make something fart. Yeah. And then they cross the bridge, and they all get across, and it's fine, and... Uh, oh, Jareth when gives Hoggle a peach that he has to give to Sarah, or else he's gonna, I don't know, kill him, murder him, make him smelly. Some misc insert threat here, um, which he does. And then she is it before or oh my god, I've forgotten my facts. Have no, we... don't you worry. What happens then is I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure she becomes separated with everyone else. No, have we not? And... Do we not have to meet the crazy take off your head creatures first? Oh, are you talking about Gary? If you could just put in some sound effects here. The hottest garbage scene <laughs> of the entire movie. Uh, this scene is I can see garbage. the like giant red bars for when I laugh and react mm, to things. Mm, and I'm just like, mm, oh, yeah. sorry, Gary. This is hot garbage. Hot, 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 hot garbage. Um, I, I, I appreciate the levels of puppetry that are going behind the scenes here and that being able to create creatures who it's like limbs can separate from heads and whatever. But it looks garbage and like it's impressive for the time but it has aged very poorly mm, it has aged poorly um mm. the green screen for the dancing fire scene is what i wrote here with just like a wow kind of it's bad it's terrifying but it's also bad and then and then she eats the the creepy creepy headless puppets want to take off her head and they run away and mm. then ludo's like or sorry hoggle is like have a peach uh, you must be hungry. And she's like, oh, I am hungry. And she takes a bite of the peach, but the peach was from David Robert Jones. And it's got some sort of like, this is a very Wizard of Oz reference. Again, this movie also references Wizard of Oz a lot, where she falls asleep. I thought it was more the... like Snow Whitey. Oh, it's kind of, yeah, a bit of both, actually. Yeah. I, I was more thinking of the bit where they get separated because it's when the monkeys come no, in yeah, Wizard yeah, of no, Oz. Yeah, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It's all, the Wizard of Oz is one of the things in her room. And um, yeah, so then the magic glass ball floats down to her and she ends up in a fantasy world for like the ultimate masquerade. Yeah. Um, I love this scene. I think this is a fab scene. It's so like visually, it's just great. It doesn't really make much sense, but it's great. <laughs> and again, it's, it, it's the case of David, David Robert Jones mm-hmm. has written a song. Yes. Let's make a scene for it. Yeah. Um, now, so when, when did it, this it, movie come out again? It's also 1980 something. Six, I'm gonna say. Okay, continue. And I'll, I'm doing but some maths in the background. It's also like, um, it's this like kind of like her like fantasy of what romance is, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. she meets this stranger, and like so there's there's this whole like theme about like David Robert Jones like kind of loving her, which is creepy based on the allegations later on in his life. But um, the idea is it's like the seductive power of a pop star or an idol or someone and like what she thinks that fantasy looks like and then she has to be like wait a second this isn't this is all the things I think I want as like a child as opposed to the way things actually are and I need to accept as an adult yeah like uh, and again that's very mature looking at you know very sophisticated um all I was thinking was 39 year old David Robert Jones was just pervin on this anywhere between Mm -hmm. 14 to 16 year old girl however Mm -hmm. Lily Nonan 
that's a year that's a, like an age difference of 23 years mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that the James Bond franchise <laughs> yeah. has definitely exceeded that age gap I like understandably one of the good mm-hmm. like in this instance the um, you know the girl is underage but I'm more just like my god like as from a numerical point of view it's it's, it's not as shocking as James Bond but at the same time like 39 year old Dave Bowie is romanticising yep. this 16 to 14 year old yeah. girl depending on which DVD anniversary mm-hmm. edition of this movie you decide to use as fact yeah also something um, that maybe should be I'll point out because you're not about to is that the labyrinth is a world of men all the characters are male apart from the junk lady we meet like no, no, Lily, you're absolutely <laughs> forgetting about the fairies that are killed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pretty... Okay, all the, like, other characters are um, male, so it's like... And, and in this sort of ballroom scene, it's like, ooh, danger, excitement, like, yeah. oh, you know, masks. It's very... I read a thing that's like, this is like... This this scene could be in Eyes Wide Shut. I was about but to it's, say, yeah. yeah. It's about a masquerade and a charade and, like, things pretending to be what they're not. And then she breaks it. She's like, wait a second, no. Like, he's just using this to distract me. And she breaks yeah. through the glass, which is also a great scene. And then she does some more bubble falling in bad CGI mm-hmm. yeah. and ends up in the junk land where we meet the only other female character, the junk lady, about 30 seconds. Um takes her to her room and she's like, because she can't remember what she was doing, which is kind of like the whole point of this. She's like... I was doing something and then the lady takes her to her room and is like, look at all your things. Like, look at your teddy bear you love. The teddy bear that she'd fought with her brother over earlier. Like, look at the doll you love. Look at these books. These are all your things. Don't you love them? And then... Um, you know, it, it, it technically passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> now, and I know what you're saying. Gary, the junk lady doesn't have a name. She does. Apparently her name is Agnes. Now, oh, it doesn't st- count if it's not stated in the movie. It's not. I know, I know. But it's, it's yeah. stated in the novelization. That's <laughs> that true. Helps. But yeah, I mean, less less does it. I think it's purposeful, though. That, like this is a world of yes, men. like it is yeah, kind yeah. of on purpose. But um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so then, then she's like, no, these are all just things and junk, and ah, the whole world falls apart. She's reunited yeah. with her friends. No idea how they got there. I really am just talking you through the plot, am I? Sorry, I should probably stop. But it's kind of no, like, yeah. and again, it's 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 just interesting from a. Mm. Like, yeah, there's just the similarities to, like, Alice in Wonderland and how yeah. she's just being tricked every step along the way. This, and This is the Alice in Wonderland direct reference. Alice in Wonderland, she finishes, the like, the whole story finishes. She's been, like, attacked by, like, the cards and the queen and all that stuff. And she's put yeah. on trial. Alice is put on trial. And when she finishes it, the, like, she's getting bigger and they're yelling at her. And the, like, finishing of her in Wonderland is her going, you're all just a bunch of cards. And everything becomes cards and it goes back to reality. And this is the direct comparison. She's like, yeah. it's all just stuff. And then the illusion shattered yeah and i think it's great because like i mentioned before like earlier with the worm and that like if she had gone left she wasn't yeah. ready whereas now she is you yeah, know she's, she's grown ready. so much from mm-hmm. the, the experience experience of going through the labyrinth and i think after this then it's then when they kind of appro- uh, approach goblin city and yeah um that's kind of like a fun puppet kind massacre of puppet massacre yeah yeah there's um, a lot of rocks the dog is frightened they run in and out of like paper houses yeah. and uh they yeah and then she makes her way and she says as she says when she gets into the castle she's like i gotta do this bit alone guys so she has to say goodbye to like her these are her, her childhood toys essentially and she has to say goodbye yeah. to them and go and like face the goblin king alone big moment uh, yeah like, song so, number three 
Song number three. Song, song number three, but just before we get on to that, I'm just going to say, I suffer from whenever I watch movies that I used to watch when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to... Oh, I, I vividly remember 50%, if not two-thirds, of every movie. Because I remember, like, I used to watch them before I go to bed, and then I fall asleep. <laughs> so, for me, it's like, I always remember, like, 50% to 60% mm-hmm. of the movie. And then I'm like, I feel like after Goblin Attack, little Gary went to bed. Because mm-hmm. everything else, I'm just like, oh, there's upside down stairs, and wh- whatever happens after that, I don't know. Oh, yeah. But watching it now, I'm kind of like... <laughs> I was about to say, I... did you watch it all the way through this time, or do you want me to fill I did you watch, in? <laughs> I did watch it all the way through this time, but it was more okay. like, I felt like, because it was... It, it, there was just it just dipped off a bit for me because it kind of like I felt like every step along the way was introducing new elements and stuff and mm-hmm. whereas like now it was just like Goblin Attack weird David Bowie dancing around stairs I was kind of like okay well now I'm starting I, to get I think cool. for me the Goblin Attack is where it dips off but then it picks back up here because this is very much like the showdown of like mm. Sarah versus the powers of darkness in yes. David Robert Jones he plays another inappropriate song um, although it's not actually that inappropriate because he's just like he says that really um, terrifying line where he's like he's like I'll give you everything you wanted all I ask is that you um, fear me and love me and do as I say mm-hmm. <laughs> which is deeply disturbing but also like kind of the whole idea of this and then she has to learn to be independent and think for herself and she's trying to track down Toby and all the stairs keep moving long before JK Rowling stole the idea and and trying to like track him down and you know what's up and down and left and right and upside down and inside out isn't real and then she has her big speech which i i, I quite like i really like the yeah speech, i, I yeah. Bec- like it mirrors the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. so it's kind of like it's nice mm-hmm. in that sense and it, it's both her you know you're like well done you remembered the words you were struggling with earlier but she remembers them now because she feels them more than ever i love that I, I want to find it because I want to do it. Yeah, so it's it's not not a. I'm not going to do it justice, but it's like through dangers untold and hardships out unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City to take back the child that you have stolen. For my will is as strong as yours, and my kingdom is as great. And then she cannot remember the last six words to save her life. Yeah. Until it. Uh, can until I, it can I can I do David Bowie? Yes. Oh no! I'm sorry, not David Bowie. David Robert Jones. Yeah. Forget the baby. <laughs> uh, anyway, she breaks the spell with the like I'm magic sure words. That's how that scene goes. <laughs> you forget the baby. Forget the baby. And Let's the magic. Dance. Yeah, uh, I love. Uh, there's a bit earlier actually that's great, and I I we should meant to talk about it. And it's when she's they're like when he bumps into her earlier, and he's like, "I've been so generous. Like I've done everything for you." And he says, "I've literally turned the world upside down for you." But his, the line I like is where he's like, "I'm simply exhausted living up to your expectations," because <laughs> he is just like an element of her imagination. Yeah, like <laughs> it's funny in one regard, but it's also like a good, um, I guess, like one liner about kind of what's going on here, and that this is like a, a, a fantasy world of kind of her own making and construction. Yeah. But sorry, even I didn't get to the six words, Gary. Even I didn't get to six. Am it's I Jennifer Connelly? It's tough. I, that's so hard to say. I it's don't know. Like... Do you plant Star in the Hulk, directed by Ang Lee in two thousand and three? Yes. Does but that mean maybe. I'm Jennifer Connelly? Um, very possible. But her magic words are: "You have are you no good power." Are you good friends with Sean me. Bean? Do you know how to operate a train? <laughs> Am I married to Paul Bettany? What else is Jennifer Connelly in? It's like I've forgotten every movie she's uh, ever she's done. Like every, she's in, she's in everything, but... but like. 
Labyrinth. Did you know that? Requiem for a Dream, A Beautiful Mind. Career Opportunities, 1991. Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, Blood Diamond, Hulk, Top Gun, Maverick, Alita, Battle Angel, The Hotspot. Oh, I did this before with uh, Lily James. <laughs> Noah, uh, the, the Rocketeer, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah. I always forget about that. Who is she in Spider-Man Home? She's the, voice, she's the voice of Friday. So oh, yes, Paul Bettany yes, yes, did yes, yeah. Jarvis and she did Friday, oh, which I've always excellent, enjoyed. Excellent, anyway, yeah. let's get back to Labyrinth. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. More. So the magic words, Gary, she's are you, you, have no, you have no power over me. And she breaks the magic spell and they get to go. She gets to go home. She like wakes up. I think everything like shatters and she wakes up in her bed and she's like, Toby. And she runs and the baby is there this time which is very, very oh, no, Wizard she, of Oz yes, yeah. in the sense that it's like it was all, it was always just a it was dream all, all a dream yeah and he's there and then she gives him her teddy which they've been fighting over at the start and she goes Lance back to her off. room yeah and they have a lovely like her parents come home but she has a lovely moment where like all the, the, the toys say goodbye her like friends come in and they're like oh but if you ever need us we'll be here and she was like oh I need you now and then they have a party yes. and Sir Didymus says one of the best lines in the whole movie I say does anyone want a game of Scrabble so and then Magic Dance plays again. Uh, he's plays my out. spirit animal. <laughs> I love him more than anything. Uh, he's great. He's the best. And it's, it's great because like, um, sorry, just another thing I want to wind back very quickly, whereas apparently in the original script, Sarah punches and kicks Jareth and then watches him shrink down until he becomes a small sniveling goblin. No, I, I like that. I like that exactly. we keep it with the Alice in Wonderland vibes. Absolutely, you have yes, no power exactly. over me. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's kind of... Um... Let me check the reference text. Who cares for you, said Alice. She had grown to her full size by this time. You're nothing but a pack of cards. At this, the whole pack rose up into the air and came flying down upon her. She gave a little scream, half of fright and half of anger, and tried to beat them off, and found herself lying on the bank with her head in the lap of her sister, who was gently brushing away some dead leaves that had fluttered down from the trees upon her face. It's not the end. There's another page, but I won't read that to you. Can I get my James Bond books and just... Yeah. Do a comparison. Sure. Um, sure. But, but no, it's great. Uh, yeah, so that's why I... Like, I it was kind of funny that he's called a goblin king, even though he doesn't look like one. But mm-hmm. I, I do, I do like the idea that it's kind of like her perception of uh, temptation, I guess. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it, like I kind of hinted earlier on about like whatever happened to her mother. Um. Mm-hmm. A, again, I'm reading this in IMDb. So, uh, so on her kind of van- vanity mirror, there's like newspaper clippings showing David Bowie. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's also what is said to be Sarah's mother. Yeah. So apparently it's like, uh, so apparently supplemental material, like including the novelization says, explains that the man is an actor and Sarah's mother left the family for him. So apparently a, like she sees him as the villain and the source of temptation because it took her mother yeah. away and has allowed this other woman to come in and, you know, settle with her father, I guess. I like that kind of like... um interpretation of it but i one i was reading an article on vox about it and one of the things they have is they're like look okay we've got a lot of questions and it's like how did david bowie become the supreme ruler of a goblin kingdom why can he transform into an owl isn't there an easier way to grow the goblin population than stealing human babies why can't sarah remember a line as simple as you have no power over me (laughs) um Um, (laughs) but it's bad like just sorry even to go back to sorry i didn't even mention at the beginning um the the list of actresses that were considered to play Sarah, mm-hmm. did, I don't know. Did, are you aware of 
I, I already said it's I know how much you love this movie, so I'm afraid to like tell I'll you. Let you I'll let you just tell me. Tell me, Gary. Okay, so people who were apparently considered was Helena Bohm Carter, Jane Krakowski, Yasmin Bleeth, Sarah Jessica Parker, Mary Stuart Madison, uh, Laura Dern, Maddie Corman, Kerry Green, Lily Taylor. Um, Lord, I, I am not recognizing many of the. Oh, Marissa Tomei. Uh, apparently, they all like. Um, audition but uh it was eventually jennifer connelly who got the role but it's just mad that like i know that it's it's a for this movie it's a like it's it's a mad thing i i like many other kind of movies from like childhood it's mad to think that anyone else could have could have been in that role but um there was no one better than the annoying jennifer connelly no one better than the annoying jennifer connelly absolutely not um yeah i really like her in this i think it's a good role i like her by the end you know she's a good yeah i'm just trying to think of like other movies from that time i i love how many like good movies childhood movies from that time we have that are like now you're just like oh and this person oh and this person like you got jennifer connelly have you seen the princess bride uh yeah bits but yeah. like robin wright and the princess bride like yes, yes sir. i like that these women have really grown up to actually be our heroes laura Dern, jurassic park you know it's p- pretty cool um but yeah, like I think I, I think it's oh, look, this this is a great movie and um I, I guess the only thing I, I I usually try to end with something that's regularly just like a, a, a slightly comedic. Uh but before I get onto that, have you heard about the sequel? Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk about the sequel? Do you know about the, the sequel? The permanent in work sequel that has never really come to fruition. Yeah. So it was like there's like a lot of as you were saying, there's a lot of like accompanying text or like accompanying lore that have kind of like has spawned from this. A lot of um anime actually and like comics like Return to the Labyrinth. But um there's this like this whole thing's been going around, I think since twenty sixteen, that like they were gonna make like a sequel, but like it's not a sequel, it's like kind of just like a universe vibe like it's not going to be jennifer connelly it's not it's obviously not going to be david bowie um it's just 2016 is also when david bowie died so it's a funny year for it to welcome back to um yeah because it was funny so it, 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 in january 2016 it was announced that nicole perman um was <laughs> like hired to write the script but it's also mm-hmm. i don't know if that was before or after he died um january 2016 when did um, david bowie die in january 2016 he was one oh. of the first 2016 Deaths, yeah, year, or just yeah. Um, mm. but then by like April 2017, they had hired a director as well as a mm. co writer, and then it was announced that you know H- Henson's Jim Henson's daughter was going to produce. And then by October 2018, the director oh, sorry, one of the, uh, the script writer had said the script was complete. However, that in April 2020, then um, that person stepped down as director. But funny enough, in May 2020, um Scott Derrickson. I don't know if you know who, if that name rings a bell to you, but he did Doctor Strange. Good vibe for this. Exactly. You know, yeah. You know, Nicole, Nicole Perlman is one of the writers for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. They're all in that Whoa. kind of club. She... Yeah. I thought James Gunn just wrote co-writer. No, oh. she's a co-writer. Um, but yeah, I don't really want to see a sequel to this i'm just no. happy to leave it as it is you know what i mean you can't sequel a cult film i think it's not the same like we don't love it because like oh it's this is great about it and you know we want more of it we love it because of its like standalone kind of iconic yeah. status it's it's like trying to do a sequel to something like the rocky horror picture show yeah which they did and it's bad and i would never or like they've done a lot of like spin-offs it. or redos and live this and live that of it and it's not the same it's it's you can't mm. when magic is accidental like cult movies that's what they tend to have is this kind of like underappreciated vibe you know 
someone's really loving what they're doing so it, it becomes this kind of cult thing you yeah. can't recreate that for yeah. commercial success yeah um other cult movies uh tim curry is the king of cult movies actually i would say rocky horror yes clue we. have you seen clue no, I haven't. Shut up. Oh, it's on my list. On I my know, list. you have Clue on your list, I know, but like, I haven't seen it. I'll get around to uh, it. He's in something else. He is like such a cult movie. Well, I mean, Legend, It. Hang on. He's I'm in what? He's in a movie called Legend. He's in It, you know. He's in what? What was the second thing you said? It. He's in what? <laughs> I can't do this with you. That's three podcasts I've done that in. Yes. I've done it in Casino Royale, Rocky Horror that either comes out after or before this, I don't know. But I have managed to ask, I trick people into saying that. Yes. Oh, I Come hate on. you so much. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show was his first movie. I'm sure you've already discussed first theatric. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want He's to listen to He's in Annie. Uh, look, no, this is all covered in the Rocky Horror Picture Show podcast. That Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Lily, please stop. Muppets Treasure Island. Oh my God, I can't stress to you how much Muppet Treasure Island is covered in the Rocky Horror Picture Show podcast. <laughs> look, um... All I want to say is, Lily, mm-hmm. <laughs> what? So just to go through that, you're, yeah. you're, you know, you had the choice to go through the Tim Curry movies. Same way that, you know, Jennifer Connelly, Sarah had the choice to go through the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, when she walks into the labyrinth, what direction does she take first? Left. No. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the worm. She originally goes one direction and then tells her to go the other direction. What direction is that? Left to Right. Mm-hmm. She's going and then left, of, tells her to go right. Yeah. And then of the two doors, one that tells she the picks truth, the one, one on the right. Left. And then, do you remember the knockers? Which knocker she picks? One on the right. She's gone in the square, Gary. It, it, so what I read was that she is going the right way for the Aww. entire movie. Oh, that's cute. The same way. This has just been a right podcast. It's been an all <laughs> what right a podcast. Terrible connection. It's been an all right po- Look, I'm trying to it's wrap been okay. this down. Thing. It's been okay. Mediocre. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I'll say. It's been, it's been real. It happened. I did a wonderful reading mm. from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> that might stay in. Who knows? I might, <laughs> might take not. it out. I hope you take that out, but not this bit. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And then on. if Again. anyone pays you lots of money, we can release, um, we can release the clip of me reading Again, two lines all, from Alice All of the money I'm currently getting right now is from Jim Carrey's Kidding. And yeah. what else did I Oh my God, Tim Curry is in the Wild Thornberries. Shut the... Oh my God, Circa <laughs> talks about this later. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to release these at the exact we've same co- time. We've, we've, cur- we've covered Tim Curry. Don't worry. It's all done. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fantastic <laughs> advertisement for the Rocky for... Horror Picture Show podcast that will yes. come out before or after this. Who knows? Um, but yes, Lily, any is. other... But while we're on the topic of Labyrinth, please and Oh, thank sorry. You. Yes, the topic of Labyrinth. <laughs> any other, you know, thoughts or, or things we, we could sign off on? I feel like we should sign off with a game of Scrabble. The way our Lord and Savior Sir Didymus intended. Sir, I, like, it's a shame that I can't change my nickname on WhatsApp because <laughs> I would change it to Sir Didymus. Yeah, um, that'd be good. Uh, thanks for having me. That was fun. I think as well. I think it's important to note that this is a movie. You're right. I've done. I pick a lot of movies based on books, but that is my very personality. Um, so that makes sense. But um, you liked this one, which was better than the last one. 
Or or did, was the last one Jurassic Park and before that it was Pride and Prejudice? Well, the last one you did based on a book was Cruella, which was based on 101 Dalmatians. Yes, true. Then it was Mamma Mia, which is based on Pierce Brosnan, so that's fine. Then before that it was <laughs> um, Jurassic Park, which I did enjoy. Yeah. And then before that, who knows what we did. So, oh, yes. Okay, so this has gone... <laughs> me picking like an all-time favorite so far i'm on like two for three being okay with you and one of them being a disaster that you've blocked from your mind sure and i'm gonna have to see like what i'm gonna do with the next one and if the next one goes well i'll call it three for three (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um lily thank you so thanks for so thanks so much for coming back it's great to have you yeah i haven't been back in a small while. I'm sure I was here recently. But... A small while. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I took some extended vacations for, for from podcasting yeah, and also in real life, so that's all my fault. Uh, but, it, no, it's great to have you on for a movie that is, like, that, that, you, like, that I love so much, that you love so much, but also leans into, you know, something that, you know, you're so heavily connected with being... A book reading, but B awesome. Which you love so much. So, no, like no, it's like seriously. I, I'm yeah, glad yeah. that we found a movie that is like has so many like themes and is so heavily like you know based with upon it. So so thank you so much for coming on. And do that. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for watching it. Oh, lo- oh it's great. And like again, like I don't know if we we ever told people, but my God, go watch this. It's, it, yeah, it's, if you it's haven't seen like, this, it's only like an hour and a half. Only yeah. like, like, we've spoiled it anyway, so like... But worth it, still worth it, because it's all about the visuals, Gary, and this is not a visual media. Yeah. No, you want to go back and watch... Look, you need to see how tight David... David. Yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> We're both on the same wavelength. Of, that the main visual takeaway from this movie is the bulge of David Robert Jones. They didn't, like, they made a choice to cut those pants that way. Oh yeah, like this is like I said, like these are pioneers. He needed somewhere poetry. to store those glass balls. Oh my god, his glass balls are some of the hi- the best highlights of this entire movie. There's an amazing gif that exists on the internet, and it is a cartoon of Jareth the Goblin King uh, fiddling his glass balls in his mm-hmm. hand as David Bowie's balls fiddle in unison, and it's ah. I'm going to check that out. And if I can find it, I'll put it somewhere on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, the Instagram being at really good the peers on Instagram. Um, but also, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, like I said, Instagram is the best place. If you want to, you know, keep up to date when podcasts are coming out, it's Spotify. It's Apple Podcasts. Lily Nolan, any final words before I sign off here? Thank you and good night. Thank you and good night. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, thanks Happy so much spooky. for listening. Oh. Thank you and happy spooky scary season. Yeah, have a fantastic spooky season, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And um, you know, stay safe, stay well. Um, thank you so much for listening to this and any of the other ones. And I've completely disrupted the flow of how I usually do this, so I'm absolutely struggling. So all I'll say is again, thank you so much. Goodbye.